Hi, I'm Deb Crow, and welcome to season two of the Heart Centered Leadership Podcast. This is a podcast where we connect, learn, and laugh together with strong leaders from all over the globe. Here, you will learn from peers you haven't even met yet. You will gain new tools to add to your leadership toolbox. Because whether you're a C-suite executive or a first-time entrepreneur, we all contend with challenges and there's always room for improvement if we choose to seek it. So please pull up a chair and listen in. This is the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. Welcome back to Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. I have been patiently and anxiously awaiting to interview my guest today. She is an innovator. She is a conversationalist. She prides herself on being communicative, both in carrying on a great conversation, but also alludes that she's a great listener. So let me introduce you to my guest. Her name is Addie Mazor Cario. Like I said, she's an innovator. She's a creation expert. She's an invincible innovation founder. I can't wait to talk to her about that. She is known for her ability to take creative business ideas and turn them into massive revenue. She leverages her proven strategies to create leading edge business growth for the world's most forward thinking business leaders. This lady has has worked for some amazing brands, IBM, Google, Intel, to name a few. So I can keep talking about Addie, but let's get into a conversation. So welcome to the show. I'm so happy to be here. After this intro, I feel I can only go down from it. So I'll make my best. <laughs> well, it's it's delightful. And I know you've been busy with your schedule and, and we've had some difficulty connecting, but I'm always yeah. a big proponent that things happen when they're supposed to. Do you feel the I, same way? I totally agree. I think that life happens while we're making certain like plans. And it happens when it needs to happen. So I'm so happy to be here and I'm sure it's going to be nice and we're going to enjoy it. And that's the right time to do it. Absolutely. Now, you love to talk about innovation and leadership. So my first question for you is, I'm a big proponent of using the hashtag life by design. And I think life by design can be how we look at the development and design of our personal life, as well as our work life. How do you think innovation fits into leadership? If I add in life by design, what does that mean for you? First, I come from design. So my first degree is in design. So for me, it's like, of course, life by design. So I think that when we're thinking about innovation, actually is is the fact that leaders need to know that things are changing. And even if they're really, really successful, still they need to go and understand what's going on outside their company. And when we're talking about life by design, I think it means to me in any case that you're always attending and and thinking and really listening to what's going on on outside your brand, your core business, your, your company. Because if you don't do it constantly, all the time, really being attentive to other companies, other leaders, maybe competitive uh, uh, businesses outside your, your brand or your company, 
it it's it's going to be really hard for you and and i think that it demands flexibility of of the mind and and being optimistic and curious and and if you're curious you're always going to be like wanting to listen to what's going on outside and this is so important for leadership well i love the way you frame that flexibility of the mind i think if i go back to my heart-centered leadership model that I've developed within the innovation work that I'm doing with leaders around the globe, flexibility is foundational. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that if, if you're so sure of yourself and you, you could be a very successful businessman and, and a great leader, but if you're too sure and you're not curious and humble in order to really understand that, that you always can learn, you can always grow, and you can always be better. And if you don't understand that, it means that your company and your business will never grow and never be better if you don't think that as a person. It starts with you. 100% it does. It leads nicely into my next question. So my second question is one that has permanent residency on the podcast. It derives from the title, what imperfections do you bring to your heart-centered leadership? I think the fact that you are vulnerable in, in seeing the world as I'm not sure, I don't know, I live in this uncertain thing, it's called like the business and life in general. If you come from that perspective of the unknown, and when you say, I don't know, it, then you're vulnerable. It's not like you're the leader who knows everything. And if you, you've done so many great decisions in your life and you know exactly what to do in any crisis. And, and when you're still open to the fact that you're still growing and still learning, it's the only way you could live your life as a leader in business. And I think in life, because we are all vulnerable, we're all fragile. And if we don't understand that, we're missing so much of what we could be and live in this life. And, and it's so important to know that. I, I love that for two reasons. Number one, it's the reason I started this podcast eight weeks into COVID uh, last year, May of 2020. Because wow. I kept hearing... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. And I'm like, then that's what you need to communicate. Because mm -hmm. I think, you know, secondly, we get caught up in the cliches of, oh, you're an expert if you've spent 10,000 hours doing this and that and the other. I don't want to be an expert. How can I be an evolving human being and a lifelong learner and an avid reader if I'm an expert, an expert means, oh, I've hit the glass ceiling on that. And I know everything there is. So there's no room. So I always laugh when I see the usage or cliches out there. And it gets to the point where I just, I want to close my eyes and cover my ears because it's like, okay, well, where's the room to still grow? Of course. And I think that we, when we see leadership in general, in the past, it was like this very, um, I would say stable and maybe sharp and very like sure of, of himself. The leader would, would be someone who knows what to do and everyone would listen to him and do what he says. And you, you can see leadership changing according to the fact that leaders know that they don't know 
and they know who to ask and who to collaborate with in order to get the results. They don't have to be the most uh, smart, important guy in the room. No, they can just know how to collaborate and to, to get the best out of people in order to get to a better place. And, and, and in order to do that, you need to be more vulnerable because, you know, it's like, in a sense, I see it like it's, it's not as manly or, or like tough as, it, as, as we could think about leaders. And now we know that, that you don't have to be tough and you don't have to, to have this facade of like, I'm so smart. <laughs> yeah, I know I'm, I'm not in stress at all. The fact that there is a pandemic, it's like ah, the fact that every, all the world is like in stress. No, I know everything. It's like, it's so hard to be in this facade for anyone in any case, not only in business. So why, why would we do it? Why should we do it? Absolutely. It's, it's embracing the imperfection and allowing your leadership to really hone and exude that heart-centered leadership that we talk about. Now, my third question is, I know you have a big belief in growing and learning from failures and setbacks. And I think it's just a nice way to augment and continue on the conversation we're having right now. Mm-hmm. There was a Gallup poll that came out in 2020 in the fall, and it alluded that 72% of CEOs make the wrong decisions. And I've had such great conversations around this. I think because there's a title and the stature, there's such misconstrued information and perception. Leaders grow from these setbacks and these failures. So I would just love for you to kind of open the bandwidth on this and and give us your perception and your experience and how you interpret it in your own leadership. Yeah. First, I really love the question. You know, I I wrote a book uh, when, when COVID started about like half a year ago. And it's called Innovating Through Chaos, because I really believe that chaos is, is an opportunity if you see it uh, well. And in your personal life and in your business life, you need to really understand that. And, and I think that once you see this challenge as an opportunity to grow, to change, to do something different, to maybe the market has changed, maybe your, your staff has changed, maybe something within the company, the processes within the company has changed, maybe your private life and your uh, expectations and what you want to do has changed. And, and, and sometimes it, it's a bit like you could be anxious by, by this change, which is in, in this COVID crisis, it's what, what's a crisis? It's a big, fast change. And people are really in the unknown. They're really anxious in many cases. And we see it all around us in this half year and a half, more or less. But I believe that when you just, you know, go out of this like chaotic situation, there's so many opportunities and I, I cannot show you, but right now I have this sign that I printed from uh, Carol Dweck's book and it's called Exceptional People Convert Life Setbacks into Future Successes. And, and I really love this quote and I have it like inside, inside the hobby here right in front of me. And I, sometimes I look at it and, I, you know, everybody has their setbacks, right? The question is, what do you do with these moments that you feel fear or anxious or sad or whatever when you're there and everybody's there it doesn't matter if you're very rich and you have the title and you you're like considered very successful it doesn't matter everybody has that but what do you do when you get there and i think that we 
during this like year and a half, everybody would have asked themselves, what does that mean for me when I'm in the unknown, when I'm in a chaotic situation, when I, I'm not sure, when I don't know what's, what's going to happen in my private life, with the people I care about, with my business, with my company, whatever. And, and I see it as a great opportunity to really just listen to yourself and consider what you want to do with it. I think these unprecedented times have shown leaders who've rose to the, to the challenge, because it certainly has been a challenge. It allowed those who became complacent to kind of fizz out, if I can say that so eloquently. <laughs> but it also allowed the ones that you talked about to see this chaos chaos is opportunity. So it's really been a a hybrid model, if you will, of of leadership, because even though we're a global community, we're borderless now, we're all in the people business. And I remember being early 20s when I started my company 30 years ago. And I remember a leader saying to me that empathy doesn't belong in leadership and kindness. (laughs) Kindness is kindness was a weakness. And I wasn't raised like that. And I remember my Irish Nana always saying to me, when you're kind and giving, it will always come back to you tenfold. And here we are, you know, 30 years, three decades later. And it's where you reflect and really think about those episodes in your life where someone said something and it's now engraved on my heart because I knew as a young 20 year old girl that that wasn't right so when you talk about bringing down that armor that sits on people's chest that wall of resistance I think COVID has gifted leaders and leadership as a whole with an opportunity to really lead with empathy. So my last question is, I know that you believe that leadership needs more empathy. Have you noticed or are you seeing a shift in empathy as a heart-centered leadership quality in leadership over the last 16 months? I couldn't say I see it in leadership or in business, but I see it all around me. So when I go to startups that I work with or with big organizations, you don't see leadership changing so fast, but you see people changing and, and leaders are people after all. And, and I think that when you're talking about empathy and really understanding mindset and understanding emotional impact on people in general, um, even like when we're thinking about employees and what they need and how do they feel that they belong to the company, especially if they're working remotely. And it's things that I think is starting to change really slowly. Um, but it's going to be profound. The change will be slow and profound as I see it, because you cannot take the person outside is like understanding of the world and just say, okay, when you're a leader, when you're a manager, you're, you're this like this is your role and you're reacting differently to people. And I think that when we're talking about empathy, what we found out during this year and a half is that things that are considered soft skills or things that are like not really tangible as numbers are not less important. And once we understand people as being that they need to be really 
happy and content and connected and engaged in what they're doing. And you need the empathy to you for your employees and for your clients and for your uh, third-party uh, companies that you're working with and suppliers and so so forth. And so once you have this empathy, it's really, really good starting point to have connection. And without connection, we will not have business, we will not have employees, and we will not have any success in life in general, and business success goes there too. And I think the fact that people think that empathy is not relevant is, is because that in the past, it was like everything is very like, you know, the, the bottom line. Business is the bottom line. But as I see today, and, and you know, like in design, we have like user-centered design, customer-centered design, like it's all about people. It's not about technology. It's not about the numbers. It's not about the money. If you don't have that understanding of really listening to the people that you build something for, or the service that you're providing for someone, it needs to be answering their needs. And if you don't have empathy, you will never succeed in that. That's beautiful. And I love the way that you framed that. And being different is okay. I had a CEO uh, last week say to me, I can always train on the technical dev, but the soft skills, the emotional intelligence, and even talking about that intuition management as well. I just want to add that on just as an extra question, because I would love for you to weigh in on that. You know, listening to our gut, it's it's got that coined phrase of intuition management, which, you know, we talk about it being that transformational inquisition like what do you think you should do and and nine times out of ten only 72 percent it's not only I should I guess I should flip it on its head 18 percent are getting it right yeah why, why do you think that I think that in in general when we're thinking about our educational system and 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 our traditions and culture in general it's very oriented to our our thoughts. It's like the the head is so important, and you should be smart, and you should have the right degree from the right like uh, Ivy League uh, um, institute, and so forth. And and I think that sometimes we forget that we're we're much more than this body or this like brain. And when we're growing our kids, it's so important that they learn fast and they know to read and write and they know all the I heard something really beautiful in a podcast like like a week ago, and he, he she said the the person from the podcast that we are so proud that we know that our kids they know all the um the cities the the biggest cities in the world or all the flags and we're so and and the dinosaurs dinosaurs names and and all of that but actually we don't talk to them as as ne- as much as needed about what what are our feelings. How do we understand our feelings? How do we recognize our feelings? How do we handle our feelings? And there are so many nuances in that. And, and just really understanding that we, we're so much more than our cognitive uh, abilities. So my second degree is in cognitive science. And I really love the fact that people can really think smart and fast. But without this gut feeling or, or heart that is connected to that, 
we can never really understand what is the right thing for us and what is the right thing to do. We, we are living in this era that technology is, is like we can do more or less anything. But the question that should lead us is what should we do and not what could we do? And, and that is, is coming from your heart and from your gut and not from your mind. Well, and it makes me think of a story that I just want to add on to share to your example. I was working with a CFO who was not getting along with a CEO. And the CEO said to me, good luck. And I said, what do you mean by that? And he said, you're not going to get through to him. We've all tried. I said, four weeks. And at the end of four weeks, he called me. And he said, touche, what did you do? <laughs> I listened. Yeah, I, re- I, I reserved judgment. I listened and I figured out where the intersection of dysfunction was. And it's so funny because one of my favorite strategies is I've asked C-suite leaders to sit in a boardroom. And I know right now we're still on COVID and we're still on Zoom and there's hybrid and all kinds of change. And I say to them, I want you to close your eyes during the meeting and not talk. It almost kills them. Because <laughs> my background's in cognitive science too. So you and I have that intersection. Close your eyes and listen. Listen to what's being said and then tell me the emotion. And they all laugh until they do it. And then they're like, wow, I got it. So it's just, it's powerful. You don't need to be, you know, we don't need to be Einstein to be kind. We just need to lead with heart. And if you don't know what to say, that's okay. You're allowed empathy. You're allowed those setbacks. You're allowed failure. I like to call it fail forward. Yeah. And those those are the leaders that are the people's leaders that are like, he or she is approachable and I can just be myself and I don't have to use fancy languaging. And let's just go back to the basics. That's the gifts that I think COVID has given us as a global community. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that like people feel things and they're trying to avoid it. They, they, They have the gut feeling. They know how to listen. And sometimes they are so consumed by what I want to say, what I want to, what is the decision that I want to be like, it's going to be made by my point of view. And therefore I want to lead the discussion and be the one that understands everything before everyone else is opening their mouth. And, and in general, just listening is something that we undervalue in general. I think just listen to someone and even just be with them and be with with the person that you want to listen to, you know, like in Hebrew, we have um, when you're paying attention, like in, in English, it's like you're paying attention, you're giving something. And in Hebrew, it's like placing your heart somewhere. It's like you're placing your heart somewhere. That means like the attention that you're giving someone. And I think it's a really great phrase just to understand. And when you're with someone, you're placing your heart with him. and then you're really connected with him and just allow that to be without being too sophisticated. You could have the time to say what you want. It's okay. Just listen at first. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. Thank you for teaching us that. 
I have to I have to end this part of the leadership with a fun fact because I know you love cognitive science like I do. One CEO said to me one day, it's exhausting doing all this thinking. So our brain represents 2% of our total body weight, and it's 20% of our whole body's energy. So on a typical day, we are burning 320 calories just by thinking. There's, there's our science fun facts for our listeners. Yeah. I'm going to switch to my fab four. These are just four fun questions because we'd like to know what's on top of that brilliant mind. So here we go. First question. Tell us something that we don't know about Addie. So I think that what, what would be like surprising is that I am a really, um, you know, I like to go to the nature and I like to be in the dirt, you know, and I like to just go outside, although I'm in these like big buildings and going to offices and big firms. And for me, just going outside, I mean, in nature is always better if I can take, I have four kids, so I'm taking all of them just, just to be together without any screens, without any like paying attention to, to other things. And, and that's enough for me. Well, I, I, I join you in that on, on any given day, I'm walking, biking, I might even stop and hug a couple of trees. So it's just such a cognitive reset, isn't it? Yeah, it's like, it, it's what we're made to do. Absolutely. And, and we, I think that everybody could enjoy it, if, even if they're not used to doing that. Absolutely. Okay, second question, finish this sentence for me. Heart-centered leadership is? listening to the inside more more than to the outside i like that i have not had that answer yet so third question and we're going to put all the details for your book below in the podcast episode description share with us a book that you are reading or you have recently read and what was the title and the author and why did you choose to read it so I have like a list of books, like I have a one on top of the other, like six or seven next to my bed. But the one on the top that I'm almost like finishing right now is called, I think um, in English, it's called The Journey for Perfection. I think something about that, which is a Tal Ben-Shachar. Tal Ben-Shachar is a, is a professor of positive psychology from Harvard. And he's an Israeli, so uh, he wrote it originally in, in English, but I read it in Hebrew. And um, it, it talks about the fact that many people who are perfectionists, like me, <laughs> sometimes miss so much of what could be done or could be in their world because they're so consumed by the, I want to be there. I want to reach that. I, wanna, I'm, I have to do it perfectly. I want, I want to do it like 200%. And we're not enjoying the way, which is like 99.9% of our lives. And even when we reach this goal, we just reach out to the next goal. So I think it's so important to just understand that sometimes we're, it's good to be proactive and everything, but sometimes we just need to listen to yourself and just stop for a minute, take a breath, enjoy what you've done till now. And only then continue. <laughs> well, I love that because I, I am also a yoga teacher. 
And I'm often talking about self-care and having the mindset that self-care, it's not a person, a place, a thing. Perfection is that untangible reality. If we can allow ourselves to be each day, you know, you great, you gave a great example of getting outside and, and being with mother nature and disconnecting from technology. We have to just accept where we are in the moment. And I think making, I joke and say my favorite cognitive cognitive address is right now, right now, this present moment, because yesterday's gone. We can't change anything about it. And tomorrow we can plan, but it's not promised. So if you just really stay footed in the now, it's the best cognitive address to be. I think it reminds me that I learned, do you know Byron Katie, the work? So um, I learned that like a a year or two of of just learning the, the work. And And the fact that you're just examining, she calls it inquiry, just examining your thoughts, just listening to what you're saying to yourself and really question that. Like put in every sentence that you're putting an exclamation mark right now, just place for for five minutes. Not You don't have to question all your ego and everything. Just place a question mark there and, and think about it. Like she asked, is it true? And what we think and the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves, about our lives, about others, it's, it's just stories. And once you understand that, you have so much more just to, to, to enjoy what you're doing in your life, which is so important. Absolutely. So my last question is, what would you like our listeners to remember about Addie? You know, once I think I, it was... Um, Maya, Maya Angelou said that, I think. She said that people will not understand, what, will not remember what you said. They remember what you made them feel, right? So I hope they felt a heartwarming feeling when they heard the discussion. And it, and it was like they felt that it's authentic from the heart because something from the heart will always go to the heart. So for me, that feeling is important. Well, that's beautiful. Well, I am grateful that our calendars finally met up and, and intersected. And yeah. thank you for sharing your, your time and your expertise. And I just want to encourage you and congratulate you to keep on with the value you bring in your creation and your innovation of thought and to continue leading with heart. Thank you. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And and I hope that the listeners enjoyed as much as I do. You've been listening to the Heart Centered Leadership Podcast. I'm Deb Crow. If you like what you heard today, please rate and review the show. And I'd love it if you'd visit my website at debcrow.com, where you can sign up for my newsletter and get access to the Heart Centered Leadership Toolkit, all free of charge. Thanks for your time. And we'll see you again.